Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. All right, what's up, C12? We got You guys doing good tonight? Man, it's good to be here. Uh, hey, I know you guys are talking about like, your dream vacation spot. Uh, what about the worst vacation spot? Uh, what's the worst vacation you've ever been to? <laughs> you say my house. <laughs> Worst vacation spot I went to was uh, Lake Superior uh, in, uh, Mom, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. Um, this is a, a core bad memory of mine. I went to Lake Superior. I, saw, I got a gas. You from the north? You used to go to Lake Superior? Yeah, I'm not that smart. I don't know the other Great Lakes. Uh, <laughs> Lake, <laughs> went to Lake Superior. It's in, uh, in uh, just borders uh, north of Wisconsin. And uh, our vacation spot that year was to literally go uh, on Lake Superior's all these big waves. Well, we didn't have food for lunch that day. So my mom ended up packing these cold hot dogs that we had the day before. And, we, and she made us dip it in another Ziploc bag of ketchup. So I had cold hot dogs dipped in a, a nasty bag of ketchup. Uh, and that's why I turned out the way I am today. So uh, that was my diet as a kid. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys are taking chances to vacation this summer, finding a good place to go to, uh, hopefully not going to Lake Superior uh, and eating cold hot dogs out of a bag. Uh, you're like, I would never do that. That's disgusting. Uh, but hey, we are jumping into... Um, C12 summer, and we're going after the theme of biblical knowledge. And uh, this summer is not just for the sake of knowing more information, knowing more stuff, but that we'd actually know more of the Bible so it brings out transformation and knowing more of God and who he is. So tonight we're jumping into the conversation of what is the gospel. Now, now the, the gospel, I'm just going right in. The gospel is not just uh, four books out of the Bible or just some cool story. I believe the gospel is actually an invitation. So I believe what we choose to do tonight will set the tone for the rest of this year. I'm going to say that again. I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of drill this point even deeper. What we choose to do tonight is going to set the tone for the rest of this year. Because before we get into the conversation of what is the gospel, I want to talk about where we're going. Where we're going as a ministry. If you know you've been around C12, we talk about these things all the time. Talk about worship, community, and impact. We're talking about these pillars. We're talking about the things that are very concrete to our church. When we came out of COVID, we've begun to rebuild things that are pretty basic to our faith, which is worship, community, an impact. And we're, we're beginning to rebuild these things, and we've begun to uh, have uh, more community on a Thursday, both relationally and spiritually inside small groups. And in this fall, we're going to begin to, and you've already begun to notice and pick up on it a little bit, we're going to be having a community night every single month for the rest of 2022. Which means that it's going to be a community night where there's food or maybe the community and worship night. How many got to be a part of the, uh, the worship night here a couple weeks ago? Man, come on. We're going to do more events like that or do more things like that where we get to have more community. We get to eat, eat food together and hang out, but we're also going to be leaning into the impact piece. We're going to be leaning into the impact both inside and outside the church walls. Hey, what, so where we're going is really just biblical discipleship. We're revisiting what we see in scripture is biblical discipleship. We're looking at having more intergenerational leaders and being a part of C12. Leaders like Michelle and Helen. Diane and Alan, Austin Devenu, Steve and Annette, people that are, that are small group leaders that want to pour into you, that want to develop you, that want to give you wisdom, that want to help you as a follower of Jesus. Listen, we believe that there is wisdom that is found intergenerationally, that there is wisdom found from those that are, that are older than us. And so they want to begin to pass the mantle to the emerging generation. And guess what? That's you. That's us. 
We are the emerging generation. And when we get to make an impact inside the church walls and outside the church walls, we get to make an impact right here at 12 Stone. So what we're going to do this fall is we're specifically going to lean into the lane of next gen. How many of you guys serve right now in K-12, M-12, H-12? Come on. <laughs> we're going to begin to lean into that. We're going to begin to lean into what it means to make an impact in next gen. Intergenerational leaders are pouring into you. And as a ministry, we get to go and pour into the next generation. Not just inside the church walls through K-12, M-12, or H-12, but we're actually going to do it outside the church walls. And we're going to begin to partake in what is going to be the first global mission trip that 12 Stone is going to do coming out of the pandemic. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so you're like, I want to travel. <laughs> we're going to be partaking in and some of you got kind of caught wind that I was in, in Africa, and we're going to be partaking in a trip that's not about just serving the next generation locally, but what that means globally. When I was in Sierra Leone, we got a partner with an organization called World Hope International. It does a variety of things, of things of ending human trafficking, but they do a lot with kids and special needs. They do this event every year in Sierra Leone where over a thousand kids who have special needs, who feel ostracized from their community, who feel rejected from their, from their neighbors and who have no sort of support from the government or the community. And we're going to go love and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on. We get to celebrate that. We get to go make an impact, not just locally, but we get to do it globally. If you're like, hey, man, I, this, maybe that doesn't excite me as much. Or maybe, hey, we're going we're gonna to be talking about other trips that we're going to be going to do into the summer and the fall as we move forward into 2023. Another way of making an impact, we're going to have another impact day in September where we get to go be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community by doing things like streetwise, by partnering with other organizations that are in our community, what it means to go love somebody else. Because here's the thing, we get to go take kingdom territory and I believe God wants to use C12 specifically. I believe God wants to use this ministry specifically to go make an impact, to go reach people for Jesus and to go take kingdom territory. And I think how we do that is we get to do that because of our authentic relationship with Jesus. Listen, I'll just be very candid. 2020 was our moment to shine as a church. And guess what? We absolutely did not hit it out of the park. We get to now step into a world where people are looking for an authentic church. They're looking for people who actually love Jesus, who love the gospel, who love other people that are maybe near to you, but far from God. And we're gonna be leaning that into the fall. What, it mean, what does it mean to embody Jesus? So in September and at the end of August, we're gonna be jumping into a series called What Would Jesus Undo? Maybe not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo right now in culture that would shift the way that you follow Jesus, that would shift the way that you act as a follower of Jesus. And then we're gonna be jumping into the book of Acts. We're gonna be doing a study in the book of Acts and how we get to carry what I believe is the fire that God, that God put inside of the church and he's put inside of you. And we get to go take that into the community around us. Come on, T12. We get to go make an impact for the kingdom. That deserves more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though, <laughs> because there's no greater purpose than the one that Jesus gives you, amen? And there's no higher calling than to be a part of his church and his kingdom. And you might be around C12 and you're like, yeah, but why? <laughs> you grew up in church. See, I grew up in church my whole life. I asked all the questions, why? Why do I have to come to church? Why does it matter? I always thought church was just the most boring thing growing up. 
I was always a part of Sunday school and, and the Wednesday night group and the and, and going on a, and, and Sunday morning to the services. And I've always just wondered, like, why do I actually believe in this thing? And tonight as we jump into, like, what is the gospel, I just want to go over the overview before we actually get into the heart of what the gospel actually is. So what is the gospel? The gospel just means the good news. Some of you guys know this. You're like, yeah, I, I know that the gospel means the good news, but why? The good news about what? So the gospel is the good news, but it's the good news about what? Well, in Mark 1 and 15, it says, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the good news is about God's kingdom arriving. But what does that mean? What does that even mean about how the good news is about God's kingdom arriving? Well, Jesus is taking the totality of Scripture, the whole biblical narrative, and he's summing how it all points back to who Jesus is and what he came to do. I just want to go over a biblical narrative recap. Okay, it's not everything in Scripture. Don't look at the screen and be like, well, you missed out on the book of Isaiah. I know. We're, I'm not hitting at every single book. I'm not going to hit at every single thing. But I want to just at least get the general synopsis of all of, of, of all of Scripture in the nation of Israel. So you look all the way in Genesis 1 in the creation story, how God created the heavens and the earth. God had created the land and the sea. He created people. This is where God is now creating the heavens and the earth. And you see in Genesis 3, now it's the fall. Adam and Eve sinned, and they, they took the apple from the tree they weren't supposed to eat from, and, and that's where sin entered through the world through, through Adam. And then after Genesis 3, you just see it's like utter chaos. It's utter destruction. Like nothing wins. Tower of Babel, the flood, like Cain kills Abel, and, you, and God's looking like, how the heck, like, how can I work with these people? Like nothing good has happened since the fall, but God chose not to give up because he believed in how God designed it was actually using people as a redemption for the world. And so he used Abraham to kind of quote unquote restart the project. You see this in Genesis 12, that God chooses Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to those around you. And you see in Deuteronomy 34, you see now God calls Moses. And what we went over several weeks ago about how God revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh. He, he is Lord, that he is now using Moses to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. He doesn't enter into the promised land, but the nation actually goes and conquers and goes into the promised land because of Joshua. Now, the rest of the Old Testament, everything's just about the nation of Israel. Everything is about the nation of Israel and how God has used them to go make an impact through them. So now they're able to bless other nations and other countries because of Yahweh, because of God through them. So they had amazing kings like David, and then they had some not-so-great kings like Saul. They had other kings that rebelled and, and ones that just led to destruction. That's where the major amount of prophets come into. They talk about this coming Messiah. They talk about Jesus. They talk about how now... They're proclaiming that God himself was actually going to personally come and restore to spread his hope to all the nations in creation. And that hope was called the kingdom of God. So that hope is now called the kingdom of God. That's the news that he's bringing was the kingdom of God to restore all of humanity. So all of Jesus's stories, everything of what Jesus shares is pointing people towards the kingdom. That's what he invites people into. It's not just a make-believe story and... It's the fun little cartoons, the thing where you see when you grow up and, and David's this little peeny little boy and he swings this little, little slingshot. It's not the cute little Bible stories. This is now you get to see what Jesus actually invites people into, back into being co-laborers with the kingdom of God. The whole point of the gospels is taking everything and pointing it back to, the Jesus, pointing back to Jesus and the kingdom. So if like, great, it's one story, it's one thing. Like, why is there multiple different versions? <laughs> why is there four books? 
In the Gospels, you look Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm just going to go a synopsis. I'm going to run through these really quick. When you look at Matthew, his emphasis is on Jesus. So each gospel emphasizes on a different side of Jesus. Now you look at Matthew. The emphasis is on a greater Moses. Matthew writes the, the gospel describing Jesus as this new Moses. See, Moses in the nation of Israel, he was known as this mediator. He was the mediator between the people of God, Israel, and God himself. So God uses Moses to establish a law and a covenant and God himself wrote that on stone tablets. And then God used Moses to deliver it to the nation of Israel. See, in the New Testament, which just means a new covenant, God establishes a new covenant. He doesn't do it through Moses. He does it through his son. So now it's through Jesus. And now they're, 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 they're demonstrating what that looks like. And you see on there, there's the genealogy. How many ever read scripture and you get to the genealogy section and you're like, what the heck's happening? <laughs> you're like, what, what am I reading? The other day, there was, uh, uh, I just came across that. It was, you ever grow up uh, in church and you like the popcorn reading thing? And then they're like, okay, you start counting out verses. And you're like, well, I'm going to read this passage. And then I always get the passage. It's like all these names. And I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce these. And then it's like, you know, Zador, son of Zadok. And I'm like, what am I reading? Like, this Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, just pick a simpler name. Like, your name's Nate. Pick a, like, it's simple, Nate. <laughs> like, what, what are these names? And I just, I feel like you're embarrassing me. Like, thousands of years later, just pick a different name. Just me? Okay, all right. Uh, so, but you have to understand, like, the, the genealogy is not just for the sake of just showing some, like, cute family history tree. You actually get to see the genealogy of Jesus and the Messiah all the way, the lineage, all the way back to Genesis. Again, the, the, who Jesus is is summing up everything in the whole narrative of Scripture, it's blocked into five different sections, the same way like the Torah was blocked into five different books. You go into Mark, and it's the start for the new humanity or a new hope, not the Star Wars version. <laughs> the time has come. We got a Star Wars fan in the back. Come on. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the emphasis in Mark is revealing that the kingdom is at hand. Hey, there's a new fresh start. The book of Mark is like an ESPN highlight reel. It's just got like miracle after miracle, story after story. This person gets raised from the dead and that person had a demon cast out of them and this person, there's a miracle and all this stuff and you just see it. You're like, holy crap, I can't even keep up. That is the book of Mark. The book of Mark. It emphasizes on this fast pace immediately. Immediately Jesus did this. Immediately God did this. It's showing out a new start for humanity and a new hope. Luke, it's looking at the royal servant. This signifies Jesus being a royal servant. It, it references Isaiah, who's the one to bring the light to the nations of what they actually prophesied about Jesus. The gospel of Luke emphasizes on Jesus' compassion for sinners. Jesus' compassion for the lost. Jesus' compassion for the, maybe the, the, the poor and the marginalized, the outcasts. And then you get into John and it's big theme there is that Jesus is Lord. It's the thing that they actually try to rebuke Jesus of when he said that he was the statement that I am. The same statement that God made when he encountered Moses and said, I am who I am. And Jesus saying, I am. It's focused on Jesus' claim to be Yahweh and it's the God of Israel becoming human. So each gospel points at the same story. It's a Jesus. It's a man from the region of Galilee coming to bring the kingdom of God. That's the overview. That's the, that's, that's the 30,000 foot view. But when you actually get into the actual stories of the gospel, what are you really unpacking? Like, what are you actually reading? What are you actually encountering? It's not just getting a different version of Jesus. It's not just unpacking some cool story. 
but you're actually unpacking the heart of Jesus. I hope tonight as we go through what is the gospel that you see more of the heart of Jesus. Some of you in this room, you have a hard time understanding the heart of the father because of a horrible home life that you grew up in. You don't know God as a good father because your heavenly father was absolute trash. You don't trust in people and therefore you have a hard time trusting in God. How Jesus refers to himself, look at this in John 14, 9. It says, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, that even after I've been, I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever Jesus is, that is the Father. The heart of Jesus is the heart of the Father. Everything of who Jesus is and what he did is the heart of the Father. It's the heart of Jesus. And I couldn't pull from everything in the gospel to unpack who the heart of Jesus is, but I am going to camp out in one story that I think is a challenge. And I think more importantly, it's an invitation for this room and for you tonight. So before we jump in, this is a story about how Jesus was so generous and so kind. You ever have a moment where someone was like so generous to you that it actually blew you away? Like when you, on your birthday... You know, when you like, when your grandma writes you a, a note and inside of it, it's like the TikTok where you try to ignore all the money that falls out and you're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Such a sweet note. <laughs> One uh, Christmas, it was just out of the blue, out of nowhere. It was like, how it's like the typical birthday thing. And you're like, oh, $50 Amazon card. You know, what are you going to get? Flat out a check for $1,000. I was like, what do you do with that? Like, I'm going <laughs> to... Like, I'm going to not invest it. I'm going to spend it. Like, what? Like, I'm going to start using it. I was so blown away. I was like, $1,000? I was like, what the heck? So now my thank you can't be the typical thank you. But your, your, the $1,000 gift now has to match the $1,000, like, thank you. <laughs> so now it's not the typical, like, thanks, Grandma. <laughs> it's like I'm, like, I'm, like, climbing over, like, the couch, and I'm, like, trying to literally, I'm, like, rushing to my grandma. Like, I've never done this before. It's kind of weird. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Grandma. I'm, like, stumbling over stuff. And I like, gave us an awkward hug. And have you ever been a moment where you gave someone an awkward hug, and you're like, oh, God, it's so cringy. I'm not giving hugs ever again. <laughs> it was like the quick, it was like, it was like the hug that was too hard, and then you ended up, like, banging heads, and you're like, oh, that was awkward. Like, what are we doing? Uh, and it was the moment where, like, I feel like I have to, like, give an over-generous thank you because I got a really generous gift. You never forget the moments where it was a really kind gift, a really kind and generous act. This is exactly what Jesus does in this story in Luke 7. If you got your Bible, you can pull it out. I want you to turn to, turn, turn to Luke 7. If you got a, the Bible with you, if you got an app on your phone, you can go ahead uh, and turn to this. This is Luke uh, 7, verses 39 through 50. And as you turn to that, I just want to kind of tee this up a little bit, tee up this passage in this story. See, the story consists of a Pharisee was known as the sinful woman in Jesus. There's three characters in this story. The Pharisee is, maybe some of you know, is the, is the religious leader. The Pharisee is the one who's the religious leader. He knows it all. Yeah, I know the law. I know what I'm talking about. I'm actually the one who's going to teach people. He invites Jesus to dinner. And the sinful woman finds out, not that the Pharisee's there, but that Jesus is there. And so she now goes to this dinner and she walks into the room. And now because she's there, it's just causing conflict. The Pharisees question, like, why are you here? And she lays at the feet of Jesus. She begins to wash his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. And she breaks open this expensive jar of perfume and pours it on his feet. And after this exchange, this interaction, it's just causing conflict. The Pharisees just questioning. 
Why is she in this room? Why is she at the table? Like, she shouldn't be here. The woman who experienced a lot of pain and shame and guilt of her sins, it came out, and she just demonstrated gratitude towards Jesus. I'm going to read through this whole passage. We're going to unpack it. So verse 39 says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Just for a pause, don't do that in today's world. (laughs) You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as great love as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even he forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You get the story? You get the synopsis of what's going on? There's a Pharisee at the table. They're all sitting around eating, eating a meal in two very different people, two very different lives. And without Jesus being there, she would never have shown up. Not in that culture, not in that context. They don't associate with each other. The Pharisees are the ones who they, they don't associate with people that aren't like you. Pharisees don't, don't, don't hang around people that are the quote unquote like sinners, the people that are the bad people, the people that are mean, the people that have their, their lives are all jacked up. Maybe the people whose family lives are all, are all crazy. See, the Pharisee, maybe in a modern-day Pharisee, would say, well, church is supposed to be more religious. Maybe there's a hint of judgment between how someone else acts. See, in this story, the Pharisee thinks that he's the host. But when you're at the table with Jesus, he's the head and he's the host. The Pharisee thinks that he's the host. The Pharisee invites who he wants to the table. Jesus invites everyone to his table. The Pharisee is selective. Jesus is inclusive. Let me just make it more personal. Can we go there? Awesome, because we're going to do it anyways. (laughs) The people who don't look like you, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who you don't like, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who you feel like are arrogant and all about themselves, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who you socially compete with, they sit at Jesus' table with you. Your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, the one you're convinced is the devil, they're also at Jesus' table with you. The people who you hate because you're actually insecure, they sit at Jesus' table with you. 
people who don't vote like you sit at Jesus' table with you. People who don't view Roe v. Wade the same way you do, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who cause church hurt sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who you're bitter at and upset at and all you want to give them is passive-aggressive attitudes, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The people who you can't trust and you constantly question, they sit at Jesus' table with you. The problem is not the people that sit at your table. The problem is is which table that you're currently sitting at. Whose table are you sitting at? The Pharisee thinks it's my house, my party, my show, my table. I invite people to my table. And you can spend your whole life following Jesus thinking that it's your own table to invite people into rather than having the understanding that you've always been at Jesus' Jesus's table and you invite people to his Pharisees attracted religious people. Jesus attracted lost people. Who do you attract? This is the heart of Jesus. When we sit at Jesus' table, everyone's welcome, including the sinful woman. That is the Pharisee at the table. The second character is the sinful woman. She's outwardly broken. Everyone knows her sin and shame. You ever feel like people just know like your, your story, you're all messed up and you feel like, man, everyone just knows my junk. I feel like everyone knows who I am. They know, they know all my crap. They know my story. Maybe you just feel like you're, you're just the, the black sheep in the family. Everybody else seems to be doing fine and great and you feel like you're just gone rogue. Maybe you feel like you're the runaway prodigal child that doesn't seem like they fit inside the church. Maybe you come from this dramatic, crazy family and you feel like, Everyone looks at your life and your family, some messed up drama and that you're just such a mess. Maybe lately you've chosen just to be far from God and just to do your own thing. Maybe you've gone off the walls with drinking. You've gone off into old bad habits. Maybe you've gone back into the the party life and just sleeping around. Maybe you thought about ending your life recently, but maybe you came here tonight looking for a last chance of hope and you're looking like, is is there something that God can do? And this is the thing that, that this is the good news. It's the kingdom of God, which is his hope into the world that although we sin and mess up and do our own thing, there is a God who loves us. There's a God who cares for us. And there's a God who wants to invite us back to his table. That there is a God who loves you so much that he invites you every single time to come back to his table. It's a grace we don't deserve and it's a love we cannot comprehend. It's his kingdom which leads Jesus to the cross despite humanity's rebellion. He died on the cross for what we should have endured. I want us to throw this verse up on the screen. This is John John 3.16, a lot of us might know this verse. You grew up knowing this verse. I just want us to all say it out loud together and read through it. So for God, whoa, we can start over. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he invited you back to the table. 
God so loved you that it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what this last season has been like. It doesn't matter the last time you prayed. It doesn't matter the last time that you feel like you stepped into an authentic relationship with God. It doesn't matter the last time you feel like you stepped back into the, into the church walls. It doesn't matter where you've been, that God invites you back to the table. Listen, the, the sinful woman didn't show up to the Pharisee's house because the Pharisee was there. She showed up at the table because she knew Jesus was there. This is the heart of Jesus. And here's the reality. We identify with one of two people in this story. We're more like the Pharisee and we don't want to admit it. And maybe we're more like the sinful woman and we feel shame over our past. The reality is that Jesus, he came for both because they're both sinners. He came for all of us because all have sinned and we all need his forgiveness. I want to invite the band back up. And we're just going to go into a moment where I think there's an invitation that God asks of you. Maybe you're in this room and reading through, okay, this, this is who the Pharisee is. And you struggle with that. You struggle with feeling like you got to be religious and all put together. And you struggle with the fact that there's maybe other people at the table that you don't like, or that maybe that don't look like you or act like you or vote like you. And the invitation is still the same, that God invites you to the table. Maybe in this room that it's been a long time since you've been at C12. Maybe tonight's your first night. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt like, man, I've heard the voice of God. Maybe tonight in this room, you've never known what it means to know Jesus. Maybe tonight you have stepped in so far from God that tonight maybe you came to C12 and you're like, I've just been needing church. I've been needing to step back into a relationship with God. I need to rededicate my life because this matters. And I need to be on map on mission for what God wants to do in my life. Maybe tonight you came in being so hopeless and so far from God and feeling like the weight of the world is on you and you're looking for answers. You're looking at like, is there, is there breakthrough somewhere? Is there somewhere to alleviate the pain? Is there somewhere to alleviate what I'm going through? And maybe for you in this room, God is inviting you. God is inviting you to give your life to him. God is inviting you to step back into a relationship with him. God is inviting you to rededicate your life to Jesus. Maybe tonight God is inviting you to go and carry the gospel. The way they write it, it's an invitation. I just want us to stand in this moment. There's a prayer on the screen. I want us all to pray out loud together. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 30 years. Doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for no years. Maybe you're gonna say this prayer for the first time in this room and maybe you've never known what it means to have a relationship with God. You've been coming to C12 because you're like, well, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know what I believe. I don't know where I fit in. I don't know if God's actually real. I don't know if it's true and what he says that he is. I hope out of tonight that God would speak to you intimately, that God would speak to you personally. Maybe you've just been so far from God lately that you've just been off the rails. You've been trying to live life your own way. You've been trying to do things on your own timeline, on your own plan, on how you think you want it to be done. And God's inviting you to rededicate, to step back into a relationship with him, to continue to follow him. I want us all to read this together. Lord Jesus, 
I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. I wanna give a moment. There's response cards in the back of every chair. Maybe for you, you wanna take a moment. You're like, I've never given my life to Jesus. I wanna take a moment right now and I wanna know that, hey, I'm stepping forward into a relationship with God. Maybe in this room when you feel like I've just been so far from God and I need to step back into rededicating my life to him. Hey, we just wanna follow up with you. We wanna walk with you. This is not some weird transactional thing where we just, hey, go fill out information on a card, but we believe that there's actually power and actually taking a step forward. It's not just saying it out loud or saying it in your head, but actually a physical item, an actual physical movement forward. And so, hey, we got a prayer team up front. I'd love to pray for you. So we're just gonna sing. We're just gonna sit in this moment. I just want you to have a moment with God. And the second group in this room, I'm gonna address you in a second. Maybe you've been following Jesus and you just need to get back into what it means to carry and to be a commissioner of the gospel. We're gonna get to that in a second. But for in this room, in this moment, I just want us to worship. Have a reflective moment with God. Where are you sitting with God? Where do you need to take a step? Maybe for you, you gotta give your life to him. Maybe for you, you gotta rededicate. Let's just continue to worship. We can just continue to sing in the background and I just wanna take a moment and just sit in God's presence. take a step and and knowing that he is your Lord and Savior. Maybe for you in this room, you know you've been following Jesus. You've been following Jesus for however many years and maybe God's invitation to you tonight is to not what it means to just be a Pharisee and invite people just to the table of of who you want, but you get to sit at Jesus's table and now God wants you to invite people to his table that maybe there's people in your family who don't know Jesus. And maybe right now in this room, we just get to pray over their salvation. Maybe there are people that you work with that you are just so desperate to come to know Jesus. Maybe tonight, God just needs to ignite the flame of the gospel in you. 
that we get to, it's an invitation that we get to not just respond to the gospel, we get to carry the gospel. It's the good news. And oftentimes in our culture, we know that it's the good news, but we act like it's just okay. We live as like, oh yeah, it's good news for me, but it's okay for the rest of the world. It saved my life, but I don't share it like it saved my life. Maybe God's invitation to you is to step back into what it means to carry and to be a commissioner of the gospel. And we got cards on the back of your chair. Maybe tonight you just got to take a second and you got to write the name of someone that you work with that doesn't know Jesus. There's people in your family who don't know God. There are people, your brother, your sister, you got friends that you've been trying to invite to see 12 and you're like, man, if they could just get here, I wish, I wish that they could just know who Jesus is. Maybe for you, God's invitation to you is, hey, let's go take kingdom territory. The gospel now lives in you. And I want to take a moment and pray. How many of you in this room, you know someone who doesn't know Jesus? You got a family member, you got a friend. I want to take a moment where we're praying over them collectively. Just keep, keep your hand raised. If you see someone, it's kind of our whole room. If you see someone around who got their hand raised, I want you to lay a hand on them. And I want you to go ahead and we're going to begin to pray over people who you know, that you know personally, but they don't know who Jesus is. Maybe tonight, God wants to reignite the flame for how you can love like Jesus, for how you can, can carry the gospel. So God, we just come before you. And God, we just ask and God, we pray in your name, Father, that there are those in this room, God, who we know that don't know who you are. And God, I pray that it would wreck us, God, of what it means to carry the gospel, what it means, God, to go and love our neighbor, God, of what you've called us to do. God, people are looking at a church who have an authentic relationship with you. And so, God, I pray right now for those whose parents are spiritually unresolved. God, I pray for, for people, God, who they're the only follower of Jesus in their family and they're living in this tension and this, and this weird time in their life where they don't know how to share their faith. God, I pray for them and God, what they're going through. God, I pray specifically for people's brothers and sisters. God, people who used to follow Jesus and they don't anymore. God, I pray, God, for people on college campuses. God, those that go to GGC and UNG, that, that God, they would have a heart, not just to be a student, but God, to be more than that, to be someone who actually gets to authentically share your love and spread your love. God, I pray that there would be more of a fire of your gospel in this ministry. God, that we would collectively share that. So as I'm praying, you begin to pray. Pray over the people around you. Pray that the gospel would maybe ignite something in them. Pray over people who you know that don't know God, maybe... There are people that would come to faith because of what God's doing in you. I want to give a second. You keep praying. You can keep patting. And I just want to sit in this moment. God hears your prayers. God knows that it's hard. God knows that you've been praying for them that they would know Jesus. God knows that it's difficult of what it means to be a follower of Jesus right now in today's world. God knows that it's hard. 
I'm not saying prayer makes it easier, but I am saying that you have more of his presence and power, and that's what you do need. Prayer is powerful because you say it out loud. (laughs) Maybe your action step tonight is just to say a prayer out loud. (laughs) You begin to pray out loud for people in Gwinnett County. Begin to pray out loud for people in your workplace. I don't want to be a ministry that's just a religious club. I want to be a ministry that just looks like Jesus' table. Don't you see 12? Don't you want more of the fire of the gospel, not just in your heart, but God, in this ministry? God, I pray you begin to unlock things in our own heart. God, how you actually came upon believers was because they were just in an upper room and they were praying. It wasn't anything special, God. It might've looked like a room like this. They just sat in an upper room and they just lifted up their prayers to you. So right now, you just begin to lift your prayers to heaven. (laughs) Lift your prayers to who God is. He hears it. He knows it. You keep praying and you keep going. God, we just come before you. As we jump back into worship, God, we don't, we don't want to be a church that God is just some club that spins the wheel. God, we want to be a church that really embodies you because God, you're a consuming fire. And God, we want to be a ministry that's a consuming fire because we either represent you or we don't at all. And so God, we pray that more of your revival, more of God, your spirit would move inside this ministry. God, it'd move inside of us. God, you want to move in and through us so that God, we can go and reach the world. That's how you designed it. God, there is no other plan. There's no other method. God, you wanted to, you chose us. You want to use us. In the Old Testament, it was Israel. In the New Testament, God, you used the church. And today, God, you're using us as the church. And so, God, I pray that we would not live in fear of what other people think of us and, God, what it looks like to share our faith, but, God, that we would just live and offer the world an authentic relationship with you. God, I pray that we would not play church anymore. We'd go be the church. Don't you want to be the church? Don't you want more of God in this ministry? Don't you want more of God in your life? Man, what would it look like if you're a teacher in this room that other kids are now giving their lives to Jesus, other students are now giving their lives to Jesus because of what you get to do as a teacher, of what you get to do now as a doctor, of what you get to do in your business. And so God, we just pray and we ask for more. That's the invitation. The invitation is not hearing a cool story. The invitation is that you would embody who Jesus is and wherever you are, the kingdom is because God so resides in you. 
And so God, we just ask for more of that. It's your hope. God, that keeps us going. And God, your hope is alive and it's active right here and right now today. God, we want more of that. And so God, we just pray this. And everybody said, amen. Hey, we got a prayer team that is here. And hey, let's continue to worship. Let's worship and knowing that, man, God still keeps hope alive. God is still moving. God is still active. Don't you believe that? Like God's not dead. God's not, this is not just a movie title. This, this, this is actually, God is still living and he's active. Don't you believe that? That God is still moving right here today. I mean, I want more of that. I want moments in this room where we feel like we have to stay longer because we're so caught up in the presence of God. I want moments where we're not just wondering like, hey, when can I leave the room? But when you step into the presence of God, you're wondering how long can I stay? Whew. That's a thought. So let's worship, wondering how long we could stay in God's presence. Let's continue to give God our all, give God our worship. Let's lean into that, C12. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.